It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry we're laughing. It's just, that was bad timing. Sorry. Hello, everyone, and I am joined here with a, a, a legend of sorts, uh, Ewan Heels. How are you doing tonight, Ewan? Yeah, good. Good, good. Yeah. Now, um, Ewan, you've uh, you've been around a bit in, the, in ice hockey. Can you tell us how you started um, getting into ice hockey? Um, crikey, this is going back a few years, but if I remember correctly, um, we were invited to a public skating party when we were about four or five year old, me and my brother, and uh, we basically just ended up uh, going ice skating and loved it, and then we went skating week after week after week, and then I remember my mum and dad said, um, right, you've got two options, you could either take up figure skating or ice hockey, and we didn't know what either of them were. Um, so my dad went and took uh, me and my brother to watch a Flyers game and um, I always remember that it was, a, it was against Whitley Bay and there was a bench clear out and uh, I think at that point my dad says no we're not getting you into this but me and my brother were like adamant that we wanted to be involved so that was pretty much where it started from and then we ended up joining Glen Rothis, um at the Crystals Arena um, and if I remember correctly it was possibly Dundee that we joined but it was, they were training from there, so I remember it was Joe Gulcher who was my first coach um, and we turned up and it was pretty much like um, the Mighty Ducks film where we had football shin pads um, what did we have uh, bike helmets on and uh, ski gloves and I, st- I think my brother even had a, my mum's hockey stick like as in field hockey sticks so yeah it was a long time ago now oh um that's certainly um i think i played in glen rothis once when i was about six years old so that 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 is going back quite quite some time um you you mentioned your brother i think you if you it's kind of a family affair your hockey is that is that correct yeah well uh, Grant, uh, so I've got two brothers. Uh, Duncan played uh, right the way through till he was about 16, um, and then kind of every so often when he can be bothered, goes back on the ice. Um, he was probably, as everybody refers to, it, the best of the three, um, but also the laziest. Um, and then Grant, uh, he's a few years, he's about six years younger than me, um, and Grant still dabbles in a bit of hockey as well but um, he keeps going from wanting to be a full-time golfer to full-time hockey player to um, yeah just goes from uh, different things all the time uh, now um, obviously uh, you've uh, you've been playing for quite uh, quite a few years um, mm-hmm. and you've 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 been in the BHA um, and you've been to You've you've been in GBU and you've you've played you've even played professional. Um, can you tell us a bit about you when you went to I think it was Torino 
or have I got that completely wrong? Because I can't remember which. which... No, 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 it was. It was. Um, yeah, no, like um, actually tonight, um, before I did, when uh, when you messaged me today, I know it's been a bit of a crazy week, but I started to like kind of note down because, uh, as you know, I kind of had a, a regular move from team to team, and it, it's not all I kind of put down on paper, like just how many moves I'd kind of made and the teams had kind of moved around. Um, so, um, but yeah, it was, I think it was 20, it was 2007 I went to Torino. And the interesting thing that a lot of people don't know was when I actually got my uh, letter through from, I think it was Simon Hopkins at the time, um, I wasn't even playing. I'd actually, as you know, uh, retired. Um, so I kind of got this uh, letter through uh, to say, congratulations, you're away with GB team. And I hadn't actually been on the ice for about six months at this point. Um, so I, it was actually the, on the same week um, there had been a new um, the, 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 that new league had kind of formed with because the, uh, the Flyers and Dundee had dropped out the BNL, and uh, so Frank Morris, uh, who had played with at the Flyers, he was coaching Dundee Tigers. And uh, he had asked me to come along um, to sign for them. And it just so happened that it was around about the same time as I'd got that letter as well. So the timing just kind of fitted in that I thought, you know what, I'll just get myself back on the ice um, and then and then go um, and go away. Um, but I didn't realise probably I, I'd missed a lot of the training camps and stuff. Um, and I didn't maybe realised how how lucky I was to kind of get that place um, and I don't know like because um, it wasn't until like we got out there and I realised I was the only the only Scottish player on the whole team um, and to be fair at that point there was a lot of good Scottish players um, but I don't know how um, I was like the only one I, I don't know if it was because scouting networks just didn't you know come up north or players just when um, like I, I look back and players like Ross Walker, um, you know, and in, in any team you would have Ross Walker. He's you know such an outstanding player. But as I say, um, I was selected, so um, I just got nice as much as I could. And you uh, remember correctly? Um, I remember watching you posted the video when you when you got there for the opening ceremony. And you were uh, you were flying the flying the saltar and then a kilt. Is that right? Um, that could well be correct. I can't, I can't actually remember that far back, but uh, no, I think that probably, probably I do remember that when uh, when I flew out, we had a, a flight from I think it was like Heathrow, and I had to get um, an EasyJet flight uh, from Edinburgh to to meet the rest of the team. And uh, what I didn't realise was uh, back then I'd paid for sporting equipment, but I had it was zero kilograms. So when I turned up and I had my hockey kit at 20 kilograms or whatever with a kill and whatever else in my bag it was uh, suddenly I had a an excess of like a couple of hundred pounds to pay to to get down to um to get down to London before I'd even flown out with the with the team and uh, I suppose it was worth it in the end getting that experience of essentially being in the University Olympics is that would that be fair oh yeah like um it was it was an amazing experience but I don't know, like, um, for me, 
as I say, I'd gone back to playing, and what a lot of people don't know is um, I'd actually broken a rib um, before the week before um, at playing for uh, Dundee Tigers at Solway, and um, but I just went out there anyway. Um, so it was always kind of difficult for me um, being out there because um, I was never going to be like on top form, and I really did struggle with it. And I think actually uh, Simon and uh, Matt. Uh, I'd kind of realised after a couple of games that I wasn't that sort of my usual self. I was kind of really struggling out there. Um, it moved me from centre to a wing uh, for five games. Uh, but yeah, it was like the standard out there was phenomenal. And uh, m- moving on from that, I mean, uh, obviously we you'll you know the the podcast. I think you've maybe listened to it a couple of times, but it's a. Uh, we're mainly talking. We're talking BHA and university hockey. You were in the BHA right in the early days. Um, yeah. I don't know if you keep track of it now, but can you describe to folk what it was like in the early days? You know those early yeah. Eagles games and stuff. Yeah, well, I always remember. Um, so it was actually a chance meeting with yourself and I think Amy at one of the uh, freshers, uh, one of the freshers fairs, and uh, you said kind of said, oh, come along, come along. And to be honest, I hadn't, um, if I remember correctly, after I'd played with the Flyers, um, I'd, uh, I, I basically I'd dislocated my shoulder uh, pretty bad uh, through that season. And I'd, then the following season was just an, a bit of a disaster. Like I was putting up good points in the, in the Kestrels, but the Flyers just weren't giving me a kind of look in again. And I'd actually stopped playing hockey. Um, so as I say, I got to this fresher player. And you were like, come along, come along. And I, I, I was like, no, I've stopped playing hockey. And I, I remember looking at other sports and thinking, yeah, I'll give one of them other ones a try or something like that. But um, then it was um, a guy, I don't know if you remember, DJ Good um, and Dale Howey. Um, so these were two boys who I'd only ever played against, but got to become quite good mates with at uni. And uh, they were saying, oh, come along and sign for the SNL Caps. Um, but the thing was that it kind of, uh, again, was that uh, the money situation, being a student, I thought, well, I can't really afford to play for the SNL Caps. Um, so what I'd uh, noticed was that you could get a sporting grant. Um, so one of the conditions for me to get this, I can't remember, £800 or £1,000 for a sporting grant was the uh, play for the university team um, so that I agreed to, at that point to play for the university team to get the grant but I didn't really <laughs> I didn't really want to play if that makes sense um, but yeah the, it was interesting because when I first went along it was kind of like oh, I'm just doing this for a, for the sake of it and then I quickly fell in love with the team and the guys in around the team and it was um, there was no structure to the hockey that's for sure it was like puck dumped on and you would just see five guys chasing the puck and uh, and stuff but on the same time you had like some really really good a good folk around the dressing room yeah yeah and uh, just to, just to clarify for anyone who's uh, who's maybe um, just getting into hockey now um, the SNL is the Scottish National League um, and there used to be the Edinburgh Capitals and that and the Kirkcaldy Kestrels were the SNL team who were sort of sort of a feeder team to the Flyers is that right? Yeah yeah, yeah definitely um, I, to be honest um, you're probably aware of it as well the leagues have restructured that many times that you kind of lose track on 
what is and what what levels. Um, and I suppose even in England, it's pretty much the same now as well. But yeah, um, in terms of way back then, um, the standard of the university was pretty poor. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, the first year I joined, we were in the second division. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and when we, I remember going down to Newcastle and we were meant to face off at like nine o'clock. And then when we arrived, the face-off got moved back to like half 11 at night, which is just ludicrous when you think about it. It was like a Thursday night at like half 11. So I remember uh, going there and thinking, OK, I'll just go up and have a, a pint at the bar. And uh, I ended up drinking with Eddie's brother, who was definitely not of legal age to be drinking. And I ended up absolutely slaughtered uh, before we even... And I remember guys helped me get my kit on and stuff and um, of course uh, I think of our, we, we ended up absolutely thumping them but I scored about five or six goals mostly because I couldn't be bothered skating about and um, so I was just hanging around the goal um, got a pile of goals and of course after the game I got man of the match and a box of beers um, so the, the drive home was just I was absolutely mortal that night um, so yeah uh, that was one of the the stories I always remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game for uh, getting my first ever uh, two plus ten penalty as well. Um, for <laughs> the guy turned on me just as I went to bump him, and he, yeah, it was it was definitely checking from behind. But you know, uh, I wasn't happy about it at the time. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you remember? Uh, do you remember some of our some of our home games in the early days when you played for the Eagles? Uh, Vaguely, vaguely. Have you got a story to tell? I'm just wondering if you remember what it was like to play the old Sterling Ice Rink when you were playing Czech and hockey. I, I can't actually remember. I don't know how many games I played at Sterling, to be honest. As I say, just one, because I remember uh, Stuart Moore, who was a referee back then, and um, he used to be a coach in the Murrayfield Juniors back when you would have been playing for Fife Juniors. He uh, he turned to me and said, "Is that is that Jocks, laddie?" Because you were playing in that game. Um, so just I remember that game in particular and uh, and how you pulled out of a check as far as I remember uh, because you were you were worried you were going to hit someone off the metal um, you remember the big metal stanchions that were at the side of Sterling you maybe don't remember it because it was that I long I, can't, I honestly can't even remember <laughs> I was probably drunk again that day yeah. it was Student days. Um, <laughs> ah, it was it was handy. You didn't you you weren't one of the designated drivers, I suppose, uh, for, the, <laughs> for these no, games. No. Um, uh-huh. So um, obviously we talked a bit about your, your uni career there. Um, is there any standout moments in your uni career that you you remember fondly? I do. I am. Um, so if you if you go back to the uni days, like I remember the first uh, year going down to the British finals, and. Um, I can't remember, or possibly it might have been my second season. I remember my first British finals, and uh, I was like adamant I wanted to go down and win it. And um, when we turned up, and there was like all these teams that had basically farmed in all these players that I hadn't played all year, and uh, these were like some elite league boys or whatever the league was at that time, Super League boys and stuff like that. And uh, and the standard was like, you know, it was pretty poor the rest of the year and then suddenly it was like a whole different ball game like the Nottingham that we played through the season was suddenly a completely different Nottingham that we played at the finals um, but I remember going down there and just thinking I want to win this this is one of the like the, the biggest aims well, was in my hockey 
Um, and it's quite, if I, if I go back a stage actually, when, when I was a kid, um, I used to go and watch the five flyers play for years and years. And then when I actually played for the flyers, I remember kind of, that was like one of those odd moments where I kind of felt I'd done everything I'd really wanted to do in hockey, especially after I'd like scored a goal and, and stuff like that. I'd, and then it took a while for me to kind of find what I wanted to do in hockey again, but when I went to the British finals the first year, I was adamant I wanted to win it. Um, and, um, yeah, then probably the, um, after that, I, I would say that the moments that I kind of remember were more involved around the British finals, um, that just because of that absolute need to and want to win it. Um, and unfortunately that kind of never actually prevailed. Um, and strangely, the, the year that we, there was one year that I remember we actually drafted in a really top coach. We had a uh, Rab Petrie uh, come in um, and we selected, we, we did probably what every other team did. We selected the best players that we could, you know, with a, uh, that we could around the country that were allowed to play for us. Um, we went down and we did absolutely rubbish. Um, then the following year, we had no expectation whatsoever. Um, we actually flew a couple of guys who were graduates back just so that we had enough players to kind of play. And then we ended up having the best team spirit I think we've ever had. And we ended up finishing runners up and, in fairness, the final was just that one game too far. Um, it was because we had such a short bench, but we probably played the best hockey that we had ever played. And that that's probably the biggest moment that I remember from my days was just how close we had got and that group of te- that that group of guys um, around it. Um, um, I think yeah, I, I couldn't make it the year the uh, the Rab Petrie year. I think. Um, the, there was another sort of Eagles team in the in the uh, in the second tier of nationals that year because of various clashes and stuff. But, yeah, um, I, think, um, I think that was when Scottish hockey, the recreational, tried to screw us over and they moved the recreational Scottish Cup. I to think the it, same yeah, weekend. I, I think it was just yeah, it was one of these clashes. I'm not sure Scottish hockey even knew what was going on with Yuri at that time either. But no, um, I don't know if they still do. <laughs> but the, uh, the 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 main thing was I think um, the following week after you guys went to nationals um, with your team with Rab, um, I think you uh, you played in another tournament and uh, won that. Yeah, we um, we won the Scottish. Uh, what was it? Um, ice hockey, hockey UK. Yeah, hockey yeah, UK. Ice hockey UK. So before um, we before you go to how that experience was, tell can you tell people what hockey UK is or was rather, and yeah, so well, they understand. Well, as a kid, um, hockey UK was the biggest tournament that we kind of would play in. Um, so it was held at Kirkcaldy Ice Rink. And every year there was like the best teams from around the UK would be invited. Um, so it was like the standard was always for us, um, without being big headed, and you'll know this as well playing at Murrayfield, uh, there was just only a couple of teams that would win a league. It would either be a, a Kirkcaldy, a Murrayfield, or maybe a Paisley. Um, so when you got to the, the Hockey UK, you would get a chance to play like Sunderland, you would get a chance to play, um, you know, some of the other big teams, Guilfords and um, Medway and stuff like that, they, they would come and, and play. So it was like the best, and you would kind of get to see how good you were against sort of the rest of the British teams. Um, 
So, um, yeah, so it, it was a big tournament, and I remember one year uh, when Nike actually started to get involved in ice hockey, they came and sponsored it. Um, so they were giving away pairs of skates for, like, the best player of the tournament and giving out sticks uh, to, like, goal scorers and um, and stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was a big deal, and... As I say, like when we got the the call, I think there was a couple of teams that pulled out, and we got the call to fill in uh, for a team. We were expected to be the absolute beating boys of of that tournament, um, and then, as I say, we we did um, we did have some amazing players that that year with Rab Petrie, um and I think, and I, I still to this day believe that if the tournaments had fallen the other way, and the first tournament was Hockey UK. We wouldn't have won Hockey UK, but we'd have won the British. I just think, you know, we, we needed that one more week preparation because these were all boys that hadn't skated together, didn't really know each other. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and um, well, I mean, for winning Hockey UK, was that, was that something you'd experienced as a junior? And, and how did that differ from from obviously playing in it as, a, as an adult as well? Yeah, um I'd, I yeah I did uh, one hockey game uh, thinking under twelves and under fourteens, um, but I don't know that it was always odd because there, it was a little bit there was I don't know um, when we won it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep playing I wasn't sure if that was going to be my last ever Eagles game um, it was a real kind of mixed emotions uh, when we won the hockey game. It was nice that eventually I could say that I did want something with the Eagles because um, initially, as I say, I probably went to the Eagles for the wrong reason. It was all about just getting this funding. But I quickly fell in love. And like even now, some of my best mates, um, yourself, um, you know, Eddie, Amy, Ed, these are all people I still keep in touch with Mark across in Toronto, um, Steve Walker, you know. These are lifelong friends that I've made from from that that team, um, and so I suppose you know it was it was really good. Um, the other thing that was really really good is um, uh, a guy uh, Mark Fowley um, kind of came on board that she- season as well, and um, yeah, it was it was good because Mark became kind of my room buddy uh, when we would travel away to any games and stuff, and it was always nice to win something with. You know, somebody who you became good mates with, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. I mean, um, I think I've got, as as you say, we've got loads of lifelong friends from from university hockey, and uh, I, I have some fond memories, maybe some not so fond memories of certain things back in the days, um, in those early yeah. days. But uh, I mean, I, I have some some cracking memories of yourself and and others in the team, and, and Mark Fowley and. In particular, I got to play. I was lucky enough to play in a line with him when he had his charity game before he went to play for GBU. Uh, it was a game to raise money for him and Chris. I uh, forget his last name. Um, they'd both been selected for GBU, and obviously, it cost. It certainly cost a lot of money well, to well, go to GBU. Well, um, I was going to say, um, was that a uh, Chris? Uh, well, uh, no, it's the it's the guy uh, Wilson. That's right, yeah, Chris Wilson, yeah, yeah, was, uh, yeah. his name escaped me, um, and I got to, I was lucky enough to play on their line in, uh, against Kilmarnock Storm, um, <laughs> which was an interesting experience, um, and I think the Eagles managed to actually win that game, although it was the Eagles plus a lot of SNL guys helping out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you... Uh, you obviously have some fond memories of, of university hockey. I mean, what what what's your what's your most fond memory in hockey altogether? 
over all the years. Um, Crikey, I, I 100% would say the uh, when I scored uh, for the Flyers, that uh, in front of the old barn, you know, like the, and that was BNL days when the Flyers were sellout crowds. Um, uh, the, the other interesting story actually about uh, the Flyers. Um, I'd, I was aware of a guy, you'll you know, Chris Connorboy. Um, everybody kind of knows Chris Connorboy. But when I first came into the Flyers, I had no, I'd heard the name, but I didn't really know who he was. And I remember uh, Mark Morrison in the changing room before. Uh, so I'd been out for my warm-up and he came in. We were playing against Dundee Stars now. Uh, growing up, one of my favourite players, well, obviously, was Tony Hand, who, who was player-coach at Dundee. Um, but there was a guy called Ken Priestley, and I'd really looked up. In fact, there was, uh, you know, he used to wear... The, the same kit as the, the professionals that you would follow and stuff like that when you were a kid. And Ken Priestley was that guy that I wanted to be. I would base my game around, you know, and try and be like him. And uh, so, but in the changing room before, uh, um, Mark had gone on about uh, this guy, Chris Connorboy. And I'm like, who's this Connorboy? I've never heard of him, kind of thing. Um, and uh, so, as the the Puck went into the corner. Um, this guy smoked me. I mean, like, absolutely smoked me. And I got up and I thought, I'm not coming here for, you know, 3,000 fans or whatever it is at Kirkcaldy, um, you know, to watch me make a muck up and, and that. So I decided I would go and hit him back. So full speed, I went into this guy and absolutely smoked him back. And then I saw the name Connorboy in the back. And I was like, oh, and the crowd were going mad and and stuff and uh, that moment I always remember um, but then quickly that changed to um, despair because uh, I saw him drop the gloves and was coming for me so uh, I kind of made a quick dash back towards the the, um, tar bench and uh, got off as quickly as I could (laughs) (laughs) Oh well that's probably a wise choice from what I know about uh, remember about Chris Connorboy back in his Actually, a few a few years after, I ended up playing on the same team as him, and I have to say, I was a bit hesitant about it, but I've never met a nicer guy off the ice. He was brilliant, and I genuinely like he, you know, he would stick up for all his teammates um, and stuff. But I genuine good guy off the ice and stuff. Um, but yeah, a monster on the ice. One of these guys that you know is, is a monster on ice and leaves it, uh, leaves it all out there. I mean, like some of the characters you must have played with and you must have known um, back back playing around that time. You, you similar sort of character from Fife being Scott Plews, perhaps who yeah 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 well known in the circles as being someone who uh, he would cha- he would change team and immediately the team they just come from would hate him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I that- know Plusy is a good guy as well. Um, I've a lot, a lot of time for Plusy, um, and actually, um, I don't, obviously, I'm not involved in hockey now and not involved in the hockey circles. But I was in Spain at uh, the start of last summer, and I met up with a few guys, and uh, Plusy was one, um, and uh, had a f- few drinks and stuff. Um, no, I really, I have a lot of respect and a lot of time for uh, for Plusy. Um, and in fairness, um, what he's doing um, in terms of trying to wear, uh, like, make awareness for um, depression and stuff like that um, through his um, company, um, I, it's, uh, he does a lot of good work behind the scenes as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, can you tell us about about some of the characters you maybe remember playing with, either growing up or, or from your university hockey times? 
Um, well, I'll stick because the podcast is mostly university. I'll talk a, a few characters from it. Um, so you'll, you'll remember uh, um, when I got a bit bored, I used to make the, the odd little video. Um, and there was, there was, <laughs> yes, I Cammy, I, uh, there was Cameron. I made one for him. Um, and I remember this guy, the most gentle guy you would meet. But man, he had a temper, like, and uh, when he broke his wrist, I can't remember what what had happened, but somebody had scored against us or something, and you just saw him break his wrist. Um, there was uh, Gus, um, Gus was someone else, uh, that, um, I, um, try to think who else, Sam's probably the smoothest, quietest player that we'd ever played with, but it was absolutely brilliant. Um I, a lot of guys. Ross Walker. He, I suppose if you're talking about characters, and uh, you can't really not include Ross Walker. He is probably the best, biggest character. Um, but again, the gentlest guy off the off the ice. You know, he would do anything for for you. Um, and obviously, I, I, I'm well aware uh, like the situation he's in just now is it's kind of heartbreaking. But um, he's a he's a good guy, and uh, I wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, um, Ross, he got injured recently. I, can't, I mean, maybe you could could just clarify what what happened to him. Yeah, I'm, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. Like, um, as as when you, as I was just mentioning, you get out of the hockey circles, you kind of lose touch with a lot um, of people and a lot of players and stuff. And um, it's just every so often I'll randomly see somebody's name and go, oh, I need to message them and. So I'd messaged Ross out the blue uh, just to kind of say, like, how things and you want to catch up and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he sent me this uh, video and I was like, I couldn't believe what I kind of was watching. And, um, and yeah, so um, I think what I'm led to believe is that he, he was due to have a, an operation last year um, towards the end of August, September time, son. And um, the operation didn't go didn't go right and um, he was basically left learning how to walk again and um, but I have to say if there's any guy who is stubborn enough and you know and, and has the drive to, to get back and get back on the ice as uh, Ross um, the He's, as I say, do you know the the thing about Ross? And I always remember this: is if uh, if you were picking teams, um, you know when we used to put the sticks in the middle or have two folk picking the teams at the end of uh, at the end of practice, you always wanted to be on Ross Walker's team. Never ever met a guy who would train as hard as what he would play. Like if the puck went in, even if it was training, he would absolutely no matter. He had no respect. He had respect, but no. Like he didn't have a care who it was, um, he would just play the game as like a hundred percent all the time. Um, so yeah, absolute brilliant guy. And in terms of characters in the dressing room, um, yeah, I know we have to keep this uh, podcast clean, but man, it would be a whole different podcast if it involved him. Yeah, I think uh, I think it would be uh, an after dark edition if we told all the stories about. About Ross Walker and his, uh, his oh, no. shenanigans. Of course, he was a he was a soldier after he left university as well, and and went uh, quite far in the army. Um, I mean, I I don't know all the different ranks, but I know he was quite a high rank in the army, and he was a good guy, as you say, done yeah. a lot for everyone. So I hope, I do I do wish him a speedy speedy recovery as well. Um, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about some some of the moments I remember um, from from yourself. I obviously remember uh, on ice. I hope uh, on ice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I obviously remember you uh, you you having a few 
bevies before that first ever game down in against the Northumbria Flames as they were back then. Yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a long time ago. They're now the <laughs> Kings. Um, and I, I remember that game because I, I remember thinking, oh goodness, we're all down here early. Few folk have had beers. We're going to get absolutely hammered, and then we we won fifteen three, I think it was. Mm. Um, you maybe be able to remind me. I, it maybe was because I, I scored a fair whack, didn't I? I got. I was. It was at least that we were. A, we were that was around about the score. I can't remember because they didn't really record the scores the same no, no. as they do now. So back then it was a sort of you. You sent a text message to the guy that was like in charge of the table, and he he just put the score line in. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but now you've got penalty minutes and power play stats and everything on your on your, yeah, your yeah. sheet. Uh, yeah, because I found that, uh, as I say, I'd, because I'd moved that much, I, I wasn't really sure what we were going to discuss. So I kind of started to write down like the years and what teams I kind of played. And I, I was quite like, even when you go back to when I played with the Flyers, and I played probably like half a season with the Flyers before I got injured. And, uh, and then when I read it, it was like stats, played two games. And I'm thinking, crikey, that was a, a long two games if that was all I played in the sort of six months that I was there with them. But um, yeah, like the, the stats are, it's phenomenal how, how like it's all kind of changed now. Yeah, I mean, elite. I think I'm not sure if elite prospects had started back then, or it was just in its its infancy. Um, so you know, you didn't have the same the same access to sort of player stats now as you uh, then as you did now. So you you had a clue who a lot of people were, and um, no, until no. you got to play against them. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I know. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember the guy? Um, I always remember we referred to him as the um, was it the Joker from from uh, London, um, and there was this boy. I think he was a lecturer or son, and he, he came down from London, and this boy must have been about twice the age of us. And um, do you remember this the guy I, that I'm talking I think, about? I think I do. Um, I think he may have played in Nationals recently. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it, it, may, it might be a different guy. There's an old guy in Nationals that everyone calls old school. I'm sure he played for the Dragons and he now plays for Kent. Um, right. so, <laughs> so yeah, there, there's still some there's still some old characters going about. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and obviously, I, I could play. Um, I changed jobs about two years ago, but previous to that, because of me working at the university, I could uh, like I could have had um, probably played. I don't know. But it must have been about fourteen or fifteen seasons. I could have uh, played. I don't know if the rules are still the same, but after allowed to play, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but no, there, there was a point, I think, after we came runners-up in, I, I'm going to say, 20, uh, 2008, 2009 season, that was like the, the end for me, that was like, right, it's, it's, this is just not going to kind of happen for me, um, and it was kind of a, a good point for me to kind of cut my losses and, you know, um, kind of walk away from hockey for a bit, um, actually, at that point. Yeah, yeah, and then... Um... I I don't know if you yeah I, don't, I mean I, I I don't remember every every national sort of thing that the Eagles were ever in especially when I was That's playing. you drank too much. Well, I might have been that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do remember some some of the moments, some of the some of the good moments in seasons, and one game in particular that steps st- sticks out for me, Ewan, is the uh, is the London game in Dundee. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, um, of where, how, how could I forget the game? The game when I, I I genuinely thought you were pulling my leg when you said that you're you're in goals for us. 
Yeah, that game. <laughs> um, and you'll remember it fondly. And I think that the moment I remember the most fondly, and this, <coughs> if, uh, if anyone wants to sort of think what calibre or you know how special you was as a player at times, I remember we were 8-7 down with about... 30 odd seconds to go and I was to obviously get pulled to try and get the extra player but we couldn't get out of our own zone Ewan picked up the puck in the corner skated round behind my net and shouted at me just go by the time my feet had hit the, hit the mat Ewan had scored the t- game tying goal at the other end that's that's what I remember that game probably is one of the defining moments where it was 8 all and I think you had 5 goals and 3 assists <laughs> yeah, like uh, the thing is, is that I, again with the, the, the and it's uh, probably very similar to the university hockey now that you never really knew what team you were going to be playing, and you never really knew. So sometimes you would go to an away game, and uh, you would turn up with a, you know a full strength team that as in like. Like your home team would be full strength and your away team and it would actually be pretty decent standard but then there was other times I think do you remember when we went to Cardiff and if, if I remember correctly we went with seven boys or something like that or eight boys and uh, I've virtually played the full game um and I, Apart from a ten-minute penalty you got, if I remember. Yeah, son, yeah, <laughs> that was probably I uh, probably got that for swearing or something, so I could actually get a break. But <laughs> I, I do like, I don't know. I, as I say, I'm aware that um, I watched actually the, um, I think it was the St Andrews Eagles game, possibly last year, and uh, I, like the standards obviously increased a lot over the years, but. I, I could quite imagine that a St Andrews or an Edinburgh go down to London even these days, and you would probably not, you know, not have your full team. Um, and that was always like the biggest problem was trying to travel. Um, and obviously, I'm aware because we had a little discussion about this uh, a few weeks ago that because um, I know you're trying to do some fundraising, it's the cost for students is just ridiculous. Like to to be going down and playing games and trying to have your full quota of staff it's just a uh, uh, full quota of players um, sorry but um, yeah it's always kind of a difficult kind of thing to to do yeah certainly and I mean things are a little bit better now I suppose because you get your fixtures at, at the start of the season it's not like it used to be where you sort of be trying to organise them with the other teams you were meant to play which meant that you know you ended up in all kinds of debacles where you'd have left it too late to organise a game to finish the season and, and yeah, stuff yeah. and they also they, they uh, you maybe remember when we first went to Division 1 it was a national division yeah, uh, which was the, which was why London had to come up and play us in Dundee because um, if I remember right it was only Saturday ice we could get <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what, what what year would that be? Would that be two thousand five, two thousand and six? Something like that, I think, because yeah, it was two thousand four, two thousand five when we played in Division Two, and we had those sort of weird sort of we had the game against Sheffield that when well, we lost when we were there, and then we beat them. They beat us at uh, we beat them at home to win the the sort of Division Two North as it was back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, I, I, we all wore uh, Murrayfield 
raccoons, I think it was, jerseys or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, except, except some of, I mean, some of us had like, you know, I remember uh, Jill Mitchell had a Bearfax top on, and I think Amy had an under twelves top on because she was the only one small enough to fit in it. And <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, that was, I mean, that was what it was. It was like back then with characters from all over. Scotland as well, like Graham Brown and stuff. You maybe remember playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know Graham's. Graham's a good guy, and it's it's weird because it must be I don't know sort of four four five years ago. Um, I was one of those the, the first people to I don't know how many people are still on Facebook, but I decided to close down Facebook. And and as I say, I try my best to keep in contact with as many people as I can. But I did kind of cut off half my life uh, at that point um, you know Graham uh, I used to you know message every now and again or I would be aware of what he was up to because um, I think he's is he, am I right in thinking he's maybe London way playing or something yeah I think I think he's I don't know about playing or whatever but I'm sure him and his wife have moved to moved to London um, and are now living and working down there um, yeah, he was he was like one of those players. You you actually wanted to be on his line because he was a a smart player. You know, like um, that. I don't know. I, I and you'll know this. Like there's there's players that you could just kind of click with. So even if you had never kind of played with them or on a line at, at training, you could just play with them. Um, and probably I would always go back to Mark Fowley as that's probably the best player that. In terms of, we'd, we'd virtually never trained together, but in a game, we could get it going. Um, you know, there was something just about, um, and, uh, whereas on the opposite hand, there's somebody like, uh, Ram McGarry, who I played from like under 12s, under 14s, like on the same team. And, uh, Rab and me used to be phenomenal together through junior hockey, but the games that we seemed to play when we were sort of Phoenix and, um, you know, towards the end, I kind of struggled, and I, 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 I never understood that because, you know, I knew his game inside out, um, but I just never really clicked like the same as. Um, it's probably because I was much slower than, and he was quicker than what I was. But, um, but yeah, um, I always find that you know that that you would find smart hockey players, and you could just click with them, um, and and it would just kind of flow. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I think I mean I remember uh, obviously I know Rab and uh, yeah, we went to his wedding. Uh, we'll maybe <laughs> get into that in a second, but um, you know I, I think that's fair. I mean I used to get on great playing with uh, Paul Coburn, who you might remember. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Back in the days when you were allowed one non-student player, um, that was that was really early days. Um, <laughs> you're not allowed yeah. that anymore unless it's the first year, and. He, Paul Coburn um, was a forward when he first turned up with us. He ended up being a D, and it was honestly um, one of the easiest sort of D connections I, I ever I ever had was with him, and um, also played with, with Sam Granlund as well. So I was always lucky to get to get myself next to the the sort of uh, fast, offensive D, uh, D men that could uh, they could cover me if I made a mistake, and uh, and I could sort of try and cover if they if they decided to go and score a goal. So. Um, it was uh, it was good times, uh, uh, certainly back back in then. And I mean, just flipping back to Rab, Rab was another character probably from from the early <laughs> days. Um, I'll I'll tell a story about Rab, and um, it's not it's not too bad. But I, I remember Rab one night um, 
when we were down in Sheffield, um, he 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 accidentally knocked on my room door, thinking it was his room, um, and it was nothing nothing weird about that, except when I opened the door, Rab had some kind of he had a deflated rubber like swimming ring around his waist. Um, and looked completely pathetic and it was just you know I, that image of him being like Rabble where's my room at like three in the morning <laughs> with a silver <laughs> ring around it's, those are the memories I think that people yeah there was there was a lot of off ice memories um, and yeah I, I think we should just confirm this is actual Rab we're talking about here yeah um, no <laughs> actual Rab yeah if any, if any of the old eagles are listening this is actual Rab we're talking about yeah um, but son, I, I had some a lot of playing days with Rab because he played with him in the Phoenix and obviously you came to the Phoenix slightly later than, than Rab did um yeah. And the, the Phoenix, for anyone who don't know, the Phoenix and the Eagles used to be sort of one club, and the Phoenix was like the recce branch, and then the Eagles were the uh, the uni branch, and then due to to certain things going on in our sport, which uh, I'll not divulge and bore everyone with, um, they they split clubs, but there's still sort of a bit of rivalry and a bit of camaraderie at the same time between the two clubs, but. Um, a lot of ex Eagles now play for the play for the Phoenix essentially. <laughs> yes, yeah, basically the retirement league. The <laughs> retirement, uh, yeah. One, that that's correct. Once your uh, days are finished at the Eagles, you move into the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, um, which is why the, you know if you go there now, you'll see a lot of players that played for the Eagles like Mark Swanson, Mike Mikey Moore, Ram McGarry still kicking about in uh, an old uh, gorgeous George Necker Lisboa. It was another character for for all oh, sorts of reasons. Do you know um, George? Uh, that, like, so the, the the thing I always remember about him was uh, like he was always ahead of his time in terms of technology. And this was when I like even today I remember sitting there going, "What?" So we were sitting on a laptop going down to Sheffield, and George says, "Oh, it's fine. I'll just get the Wi-Fi up." And and this was before you got Wi-Fi on trains and stuff. And the next thing I know is he's like connecting his phone up to get Wi-Fi. On his um, on his laptop, and I'm thinking, man, what what is going on uh, here? And then he suddenly like pulled up Google Maps and and all this, and I, it was just like that bamboozled me because I think back then I had probably a Nokia eighty two ten, so like the most I was doing was playing a game of Snake on on the, and he's like there pulling up Google Maps like to try and figure out where we were going to get a hotel and stuff. Um, yeah, he was he was some something else. Yeah, I think um, the A two ten. You're not giving it enough credit. I'm sure it had the uh, was it Sp- space raiders or something on it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Probably. Uh, um, George, yeah, I, so I, wait, I was going to say that the other thing with George was I hadn't actually seen him for for a good few years, and as I say, the final year I did actually play um, fifteen sixteen um, uh, when I, I had one year in the as you say the the retirement league with the Phoenix, and um, and we, we did have a trip out to Riga and. George turns up when he's like, hey, guys, I got a, I got virtual reality. And uh, I was just like, always remember like thinking only him would come up with this headset and have uh, X-rated material on it. It was like, again, way ahead of my time um, and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now it's pretty readily available. George always had everything for anyone else. I think yeah. I think one of my, my favourite stories with George was the first time that the Eagles had to go to London, it was a trip. I don't think, I think you had to play for the Caps or Tigers or 
Kestrels or whoever it was at that point <laughs> you were playing for. But um, we went down on the train to, to London. And as you say, back in those days, you had some games where you had, you'd go away and you'd have 15 players. And then this was one of these games where we had seven plus a goalie. And uh, we got to London, didn't know where ice rink was. Um, had arrived at King's Cross. Um, and George had on his phone, as you say, it was always ahead of his time, had the directions, what train we needed to get, what tram, what whatever, um, subway, and, uh, and nobody, <laughs> nobody believed him, because he was George, and he always came across as this sort of dumb guy, so we ended yeah. up in this, uh, like, in this bit of London, where we came outside, it was like a market, there was people selling watches out of their coat and stuff, <laughs> and we asked him where Ice Rink was, and none of them even knew that London had an Ice Rink. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the most amazing thing that any of us discovered that day is sometimes George is right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you know, those were the those were some of the some of the tales from back in the back in the day. Um, yeah. And you're right about about George with his virtual reality headset and uh, oh, all that sort of sort Do of stuff. You know what? I, I don't know why, but um, we're talking about characters, and just suddenly I, I'm thinking, how could I miss out one of the best characters of all time on the changing room, and only. For well, obviously the the listeners of this podcast will all be hockey players, but little does I, I can't imagine this goes on in any dressing room before a game now. But we used to have uh, somebody who would actually um, say a prayer for us uh, pretty much in the dressing room before, um, and Jason. Um, yeah, it was like you know, from me got um, in the Flyers day where we would have uh, you know hard rock music and stuff and then suddenly we were getting chapters of the Bible read out to us and stuff like that. It was completely different. Yeah, that was uh, Texas, I think we used to call them because we weren't yeah. very clever they came from Texas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I remember, I remember um, him uh, with his prayers and his quotes from the Bible and stuff like that and, uh, you know, it was just a different vibe back then with sometimes and then you had you had loud people like McGregor Spinks and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. who, uh, I remember him once burping and stopping Nationals, the referee dropping the puck. He <laughs> genuinely didn't know what the noise was. Um, so, that yeah, there's all sorts of characters. I'm, I'm surprised you've not touched on the story about Neil Ballack, but... Uh, about him, uh, about oh, him no. handing out leaflets in the in the chippy. Um, but oh, yeah, he, Neil's. Um, I'm actually still good mates with him. I was uh, chatting to him earlier on. Um, but I and Neil's. You probably could do a full podcast just on Neil, like in the stories. Um, but a lot of them were kind of off ice. Like the thing was, was with the Nationals. Um, and again, I don't know how it kind of works out now. But the first year we went down and we had had a few drinks and, and stuff. And then we realised, like, holy the a lot of these teams are actually pretty decent. Um, and uh, we probably were taken back a little bit. And then each year after it, it was like one year on, one year off. And I remember, like, one year when I was coaching and uh, I said to the boys, uh, I said, we, we went to Frankie and Benny's and I said to them all, uh, like, look, guys, let's go and win this. I says, um, let's just be sensible tonight, and, uh, and we'll get off to a good start tomorrow, and then we can have a drink. And, we, and I says, plus the the beer always tastes better when you're one. And uh, so 
Ross came over to me and he says, just to confirm, are we allowed a couple of drinks tonight? And I was like, yeah, Ross, but just be sensible about it. And I always remember Ross went away and he came back with um, shots for every single one on the team. I had trays of them and I was just like, oh man, like this is not what was agreed or anything, but I... It was Ross Walker in a in a cup, pretty much like that was what he was about. Yeah, um, it's still very similar. Um, certainly, uh, you, you may not know that. I mean, back when we had it, it was maybe three tiers. I think was probably the maximum when you finished playing Eagles. Uh, there's yeah. now there's now uh, six tiers of nationals, and uh, well, in this year there would have been seven because we, we the way we changed the checking format. Um, and there's a, also a women's tournament, so it's it, the, the the first weekend tends to be with we've got some of the more rookie players. It tends to be a lot more tomfoolery and, and drinking. There's more clubs there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably the with the way the world is now would have been the most sort of at risk tournament just with the level of interest because um, those the, the, those kids are like watching all everyone else's game. Whereas I find it tier one. People want to go and kind of do their own thing between their games a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, that that was the that was the uni the uni days. Of course, now uh, you you're a father now and married. Um, yeah. And uh, that's a bit of a change of pace, I'm sure. And uh, what, what was uh, how's how's fatherhood treating you? That's uh, it's, uh, like my final year, um, Caitlin, my, my oldest daughter, um, she got, got to see a couple of games when I, I played and stuff. And obviously, I think probably anybody that's out there and, you know, as a dad would love their kids to actually kind of see them play. But the reality, I don't know how much you're aware um, for. So I'd stopped playing for a couple of years and then uh, actually I got some ridiculous offers to come back like um, I won't mention teams but the money that was getting offered was just ridiculous so I decided actually I'm going to come back Um, I didn't go for money in the end I I went uh, back to the Tigers but as soon as I started training that year I knew something wasn't quite right um, with my knee Um, and I played played that year uh, I played out that year but it, it was never quite right and then as I say my final year that I decided to play, I, I thought, you know what, I'll go and play with the Phoenix, play with all the guys that, you know, the good guys, the, the Eddies, yourself, the Rabs, um, Aidan, you know, Mikey, um, guys who I'd been around uh, for a long time and, you know, just more more a kind of relaxing kind of year. But again, my knee was kind of playing up. Um, so I, eventually I kind of bit the bullet and decided to hang the skates up. Um, as I say, it was good that uh, Caitlin got to see me. Um, it's a shame that Amelia probably won't get to see me. But the two of them, we, we go, I go skating with them. And, uh, you know, they are absolutely brilliant uh, kids. And um, I suppose hockey is... It is like if you're a hockey player, you're always a hockey player. In in your head, you want to play hockey, but there's part of um, yeah, your body kind of says, no, um, you can't do it. And actually, uh, just back in January, after two and a half years of me complaining to the NHS, eventually they discovered that I've got a a tear in my my knee, um, which makes 100% sense to why I really struggled um, with the hockey. 
Um, so that was like two and a half years I've been kind of struggling with this problem. Um, so I, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I would love to be that guy that goes uh, once in a blue moon. Um, I suppose the, the biggest problem, and and I, and I, I think I'll probably speak to, for the majority of people who don't play hockey is just the cost like you can't really justify to pay close to a hundred pound to register to then maybe you know like for myself i would probably go once in a blue moon but i can't justify to pay the hundred quid i have to admit like i was very very lucky and um, throughout all of my days of playing hockey and my mum paid for the majority of it then um, then i was lucky in terms of uh, sponsorships um um as i say grants uh, all like I, I basically didn't really need to pay hockey, and even that final year with the Phoenix, where um, the money was like obviously paid my subs and stuff, um, my sponsorship was actually in place that that season, um, so my registration was paid by a sponsor. Um, but then because I decided to move, um, I only needed to pay the whatever the transfer, the fifteen pound transfer fee. So. Um, yeah, like, but hockey, it's, it's so, like, as, if you look in Canada, you know, they, they've got beer leagues that people will pay, like, probably a couple of dollars and, and go along and you can, you know, just have a skate and a play and stuff. Um, we're far from that here. It's, you know, it's, you've got to be a committed person or, or a rich person to just play, you know what I mean? And um, it's unfortunate it's the way it is, but... I suppose the good thing for me is the fact that it keeps me off the ice because I would probably just be doing more damage to my body if I if I was uh, playing. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, obviously you've got fond memories of it, and obviously some knots of fond your knee being sore. Yeah. One of them. Um, just uh, you know, what what would your attitude be if if uh, if one of your daughters piped up and said, "Dad, I want to play hockey." Oh, I would. Knowing what hockey guys are like, um, and being in the dressing room with hockey guys for a long time, I've said that my daughters will be staying away 100% from hockey guys. They will not be coming figure skaters or hanging out at hockey rinks. Um, if my, my daughter brought home a Ross Walker or a Rab McGarry, um, they will be getting marched back out the door. Um, I, I know I've been around hockey boys for too long to know that my daughters will not be going near the hockey <laughs> so um, yeah that's pretty much my stance on it so nah in fairness um, do you know it's uh, actually um, I, I saw we post with uh, Beth uh, this week asking her brother uh, to be our best man um, for our wedding and stuff and Beth's like an absolute inspiration to, to women's hockey like um, like uh, playing with Beth even from a young age very very like ahead of the game, you know, in, the, in our positional sense and stuff like that. And um, I remember how gutted she was when uh, I think she had been dropped by the GB team um, and for, you know, when I was like kind of playing with her and stuff like that. I could, it did not make any kind of sense. But Beth, in fairness to her, went out and worked 100% on our game. And um, I remember watching her a year, probably about a year later and the level that she had taken her game onto like was just phenomenal and you know if if my girls were to say to me dad look I want to play hockey I'm not going to stop them um, I am pretty much like at the point um, just now where 
Um, so the girls are three and five, and they make a lot of their choices themselves. And I know that people might kind of think, oh, they're a bit young to be making life's choices. The only thing that we kind of, me and my wife have um, said that it's compulsory to do is uh, swimming. Um, but apart from that, um, Caitlin, she goes skating. She's actually getting pretty decent she can kind of go around by herself um you know she does gymnastics she does um i'm trying to think basketball she she loves her basketball um she does drama as well so you know we're trying to give her a kind of rounded education but don't get me wrong in five ten years time she comes back and says look dad i really want to play hockey Um, you know i'll support her in whatever she kind of does as long as she doesn't bring home home a hockey guy Fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, uh, I mean, uh, it's obvious just from the from your tone and, and uh, how fondly you speak that you, you um, are very much enjoyed fatherhood, and uh, and and that's, oh, that's well, great because you you might be you might be doing nothing but fatherhood for the next three months in the current oh, state no. we're in. <laughs> well, I'm actually um, I, so Monday, obviously, in the current circuit uh, circumstances, I become a uh, I move uh, to my new career on Monday as a teacher. So, um, so I've got uh, Caitlin to homeschool from Monday, and uh, it's so weird because um, me and my wife have kind of got a wee timetable already set up. And uh, she was uh, she was saying that um, that I'm going to be not dad on Monday. I'll be Mister Heels. Um, and to have your uh, your daughter kind of saying that to you is, is a bit weird. But um, I like do you know it was actually it was one of the pleasant things because uh, I don't know if you're aware, but um, with my job, um, it's been absolutely probably like everybody's uh, week this week. It's been absolutely madness. So when I got that message earlier on about uh, doing this today, I'm, I was kind of like, oh, do you know what? I'd be really keen because it's a welcome distraction. Like the the world is a kind of a little bit of a mad place just now. Um, and yeah, like who knows? Where nobody kind of knows what's going to kind of come of it. Um, so yeah, um, as I say, it's quite nice to kind of remember all these good years of uh, of all all the the hockey um, memories and and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, yeah. actually, um, just uh, I'm just thinking of other stories. Actually, um, I don't. Do you remember? Uh, this is a, a little side note, but uh, we'd been out drinking at one of the British Nationals, and we, we got back uh, to the to the. I think it was. I was what? Um, what was the cheaper version of the travel lodge? Um, it was the ETAP back then. That's it. Yep, yeah. so the ETAP. And uh, when we arrived, uh, I think it was the Newcastle players' uh, rooms were getting absolutely soaked because there was some sort of um, plumbing issue. And uh, when I got to the reception desk, I said, oh, I'm actually a, a, a time-served plumber. And uh, the boy says, brilliant. He says, we can't get anyone out. And this was like 10 o'clock at night or whatever. So uh, there was me... <laughs> pretending I knew what I was doing and uh, I went along and somehow I managed to like switch off the water to like flooding down their hallway and into their rooms and stuff and I remember going uh, going back to the reception desk and said oh, I'll just make sure that we'll uh, get the, the room for free and all our food for free this weekend and the boy was like yep yep not a problem not a problem so um, it was just like random stuff like uh, getting back I, I personally don't remember that because I was one of the ones that actually behaved um, on <laughs> nationals trips most of the time until the Sunday night and then I became a bit of an animal uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we all remember you singing 
Yeah, singing and uh, and uh, the year a couple of years after you you were out of the uni game, uh, I also uh, <clears throat> bent a pole in Leadmill uh, by um, being a bit over vigorous with the uh, with the old pole dancing. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure M- Mike Moore, if he's if he's listed, would be able to to find the video um, somewhere buried deep in his phone and cloud or whatever it is. Um, well. Hilsey, we've talked we've talked for a long, long time. Um, and this is definitely going to be a pod special, I'd imagine, rather than part of an interview of me and Nick talking for an hour. Um, but just uh, to, to, to sort of to summarise, um, you know, you've you've obviously played for a lot of teams, you've done D's and all the rest of it. Who's the best player you've played with, and and who's the best uni player you've played with? Oof, uh, best player. Um... Oh, that, I don't know, because if you go back to the... I suppose, as I say, like uh, play, playing against uh, Ken Priestley, that was kind of a whole different level. But round about the... And the Flyers team, you would have had like Mark Morrison, uh, Todd Duty, um, Kerry Biet. They were all around at that point as well. Um, I don't know, it's hard to say. Like, um, you know, there's been so many players that I've kind of I've played with and they've kind of influenced my game in different ways. Um, so I, I couldn't probably pick one as the, the the most outstanding player. I suppose maybe Mark Morrison, like, just playing with him was just something else. Because even as a kid, he was you kind of like your idol, um, you know, for the Five Flyers games and stuff. Um, so, yeah, probably, I would probably say him. Um, best university player I've played with. Um, again, uh, I'm trying to think from the GB team. Um, there was a guy, uh, uh, Ben Campbell, he was he was something else. Uh, he was a, a young guy when we went away to the GB team. And uh, he, in fact, I think... I might be wrong, but I think he's still playing at Whitley Bay. Um, he had a few years with uh, Guilford. He was uh, something else. Um, even training with him, he kind of upped the level. Um, Sam, obviously, is probably... You'd throw him into the equation. Um, yeah, that's a tough question. It's probably the question that I should have expected. And uh, and, uh, and uh, I... I couldn't really answer. Um, as I say, different players have kind of brought different things to the to the table um, over the years. Um, but no, um, I, I I couldn't probably give you two names to be honest. Enough. I mean, you've talked talked about many different players and in some in favourable light, some in less favourable light. But I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. it's good to see you've got a lot of hockey memories and you're obviously quite fond of of reminiscing, um, and which is something I think we'll all be doing for for a while. Um, so um, obviously we've talked a bit. And I think we've. I don't know if there's much more we could say without getting into the more blue areas of our hockey memories. <laughs> that perhaps. Well, there's uh, like the, I suppose the only other thing I would say probably the the influences is probably a big thing for me. Like um, if you think about the influences to my hockey um, coaches. Um, you know, like, um, so we had probably the first big influence, uh, uh, Jim Roxburgh and uh, Jim Watson, who uh, they were younger days, and obviously Jim was well involved in the sort of coaching side. Was I got my first coaching badge under Jim Watson, actually. Yeah, and Jim, actually, um, I still think that Jim was way ahead of his game in terms of coaching, um, and 
I remember learning a lot of, and there was no surprise that he was involved in kind of the flyers off ice coaching, like as in, you know, taking stats and stuff like that. So he, uh, yeah, he he was a, an early influence. And then after that, we had uh, Bean as in Alan Anderson. Um, and I think Bean was probably the first guy that actually installed the, the confidence that I knew I was, I could become a player. Um, I remember going away to a tournament and Bean had actually said to me, Hilsey, you're playing defence this weekend. And I, I was only about 14, 15, something like that. And it was for the for the under-16s team that he was playing me defence. And uh, if, if you remember back then, the Five Flames were something else. You know, like, um, they were... So that then after that, the Tigers, um, I had uh, Joe Gulcher. Um, Joe was... Absolutely brilliant with me off the ice. Joe, you know, made sure uh, I was always quite kind of like, he was probably the best in making sure that I was ready for a game and stuff like that. Um, then uh, Jock Hay, um, who I remember uh, Jock from um, Scotland teams, but I actually got to play under Jock. Jock had the knowledge of the game off the ice, but Around the around the team and stuff, you had a lot of respect for Jock, and you remember this as well. That, um, I, played, I played under Jock for quite a bit, and yeah, he was a good coach. I really yeah. liked him. Yeah, he's, he he knew when to have a laugh and and then when to be serious, and and that's quite. Um, and then, as I say, Mark Morrison, uh, he taught me a, a lot about positional and about that kind of stuff. And I suppose, um, like, I, even the coaches that I didn't particularly like, um, well, I ended up stopping playing because of one coach uh, completely walked away from the game. But I suppose that kind of made it stronger um, because when I was then coaching, I, I kind of then knew not to, to kind of do the same traits as him, if that makes sense. Um, I won't yeah. mention his name, but... Um, yeah, you learn something from, from that experience yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you exactly. you adapt it. Yeah, um, and then the, the only other person I should really give a, a major shout-out to um, is Scott Neal. Like, I know that just about the whole of British hockey um, like had things against Scott Neal and stuff, but, man, like I couldn't say a better word for him. Like From day one, every... Every time I was due a payment from him, I got my payment. Everything was paid up. Like I, I used to hear like all these ridiculous stories about how he would pay people out of uh, vending machines and uh, people. Like I even remember, like he was getting, uh, like there was like a, a, a couple of weeks where there was like the snow had come in, and basically what Scott had said to the the boys in the team was, "Look, we're having to cancel a couple of fixtures. You will get your money. Just stick with me." And I'll, I'll get it in a, in a few weeks for you, you know, once we get fixtures back on. And and a whole host of boys just jumped ship. And, uh, yeah, he, he was, from day one, Scott was very honest with me. He was, you know, I knew what he wanted. Um, I was, like, coaching the SNL team at, at points, but uh, stepping up, um, I was, uh, I think I played the, the odd elite game, you know, when they were struggling for boys and, and stuff. And he was absolutely outstanding as well. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of sort of external influences to, to, to it that, um, and then you have other people who kind of influenced and, uh, yourself, Amy, you know, like what you did, Steve Walker, what you do off the ice for hockey or did do for 
hockey, you know, um, you know, it, it goes like a lot of people don't see the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, you know, they just turn up, train, go, and and that. But there's a lot that kind of and with me coaching, um, I kind of got involved a little bit in that kind of side of it. Um, and yeah, there's there's always like the other side of hockey that people don't see. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that, um, uh, Ewan, because that I, I don't think a lot of people maybe do get that, and there'll be people in their their clubs and universities, um, university clubs and and recce clubs and under twelves right through to elite league and and what have you that don't realise that there's a lot of work goes in from people, a lot of people who just do it because they like it and they love the game rather than people who uh, who are doing it. Um, because because they they get they get any kind of recompense out of it. So um, yeah. it's, I'm glad you brought that up actually. And, uh, yeah, it's one of it's one of those that I suppose like the people who are close to it know how much, but a lot of people will never kind of you know actually probably get the accolades that they probably deserve. Um, and and a, a lot of it separate to that was. Um, I, as part of my job, actually, um, there was uh, local um, local sports awards were uh, getting given out recently, and uh, um, strangely, the, the award for outstanding achievement went to a local newspaper. And I remember thinking, do you know what? That's that's really nice that they've actually recognised the work that a local newspaper does for local sport, because um, again, it's you know media and stuff like that I don't get me wrong a lot of media is now social media and stuff like that but you do still have your your local newspapers and that and th- these people who you know spend time to come out and t- take photographs of games and and stuff like that like um, yeah a lot of that what goes on unnoticed as well and it does it still makes a difference like uh, to, to hockey so yeah I mean, and and even like you know your generation of university player, um, they played in a time where it wasn't it was far from flashy. Certainly, not anywhere near like the setup is now with live streams of nationals and and yeah. all this sort of thing. And you persevered. You, you you mentioned your first ever game was in Whitley Bay at half eleven at night. That still happens, by the way, but it's not as bad <laughs> now. Um, and uh, you know. Your generation, if if your generation didn't love the sport, then I don't think we'd have this generation enjoying what they have enjoyed. Obviously, things have got in the way, um, but certainly with they certainly wouldn't have what they have now, and as many players in hockey, because I don't think the BIHA would be what it is without without your generation of players. So yeah, I think um, it's still it's so hard though because. Y- on occasions, obviously, the the GB team are doing a brilliant, absolutely, like unbelievable what they're doing just now, um, in terms of. But I remember, like, um, so I went along to, so I was at Napier University, and I remember going along to the the end of year awards ceremony, and this was around the time that I was, um, you know, GB player and and stuff like that, and they. They read out all the awards, I can't remember, you know, like the Blues Awards or whatever they, they kind of classed them as. And I didn't even get any kind of recognition. And there was me, you know, probably, I'm I'm just guessing, but I probably had the most points for a, an Eagles player that year. Probably, you know, broke whatever records or whatever and didn't even get recognition at all. And then Outstanding Contribution Award went to, like, some rugby player who... 
had played like 15 games or something for Napier and not any international award. Yeah, yeah. So no. anything like that got, but because rugby was, uh, and, it, and it, like I remember going along to this award thinking, it just shows you where hockey is in, in reality to other sports. And, and I can't believe that it's probably changed that much now that you know that university hockey I know that uh, you personally got a, a sort of a wee award for your commitment to it um, from the um, from yeah so like once in a blue moon these kind of recognitions come but it's probably I, I, I'm guessing that there's probably still far more swimmers, footballers, um, probably even shinty players. You know that will pick up the awards, and ice hockey still sits somewhere down the line of, um, you know, people picking up the awards that they maybe deserve, or, or even just not even awards, but even recognition. Um, so yeah, 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 and uh, I think I think that's absolutely. Absolutely right that um, hockey isn't. It is a minority sport, and and the people who listen to this will be doing it because they love hockey. Um, shout out to Eva Harrison. No doubt she's she's listening this far in. Um, but the uh, <coughs> these people are the people that are really the backbone of this sport surviving in the country, and it's not because of, it's certainly not because we get loads of funding or loads of coverage from the TV. Um, I think the last time I saw hockey on free air TV, Claire Baldwin thought people thought thought the camera people actually skated on the ice during the game. Um, so you know you know it's just um, it, it's it got a lack of understanding in this country certainly, and as I say, your generation certainly kept has made the BHA probably what it is today, or at least paved the way for the BHA to become what it is today with the enthusiasm and, and going through all that nonsense of going away to, you know, London on trains and stuff um, yeah. with seven players just to... Like I, 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 I even remember, I've, I've, I'll get this, um, Simon Hopkins, if he's still involved in the hockey... Um, just, he's just retired from, from BHA, yeah. So, um, like, I, I remember... Um, so, when we had... When the GB team went out, and a lot of people won't know this actually, um, when the GB team went, there was, I think we were short of funding by whatever per person, £800 per person or something like that. And I remember like the English um, Student Association probably, I, I don't know, uh, basically helped for all of the players bar me because I was a Scottish player so I then went back to the Scottish Student Awards Agency or whatever it was um, Scottish Student Support maybe SSS I can't remember we're going back a few years but and I'd asked them for one £800 payment to help me out and they said oh no we can't afford that and yet the team of 20 whatever players had all been granted from English and there was me and I was actually relatively lucky because um, I don't know if you remember a band called Sergeant um, who actually went on tour with Oasis and stuff I was good friends with them at the time and I'd kind of got, uh, been in contact with one of the guys about it and he said look we'll, we'll do your fundraising night um, and we'll help you raise the money for, for the rest of the, the money and um, yeah, so we, we managed to raise the money just by them doing a sort of charity gig for me. But I always remember just thinking that it's absolutely madness that, you know, English 
the English uh, Student Awards Agency were like kind of our student sport was willing to help all of those players and the Scottish student sport wasn't willing to kind of pay up the one person um, so yeah it sounds like I'm having a bit of a moan and a dig but no it just I, I remember these kind of things like kind of going back to thinking like you know that that. but then I suppose on the other hand as I say uh, when I first set set out on the hockey journey Napier did give me a sports grant of I think it was close to a thousand pound which basically paid my, my, my season for the, the SNL caps and for the the university um, so I was relatively lucky in that sense um, well, we'll 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 go on a slightly positive uh, positive note, Yosey. Uh, but you've obviously you talked about lifelong friends and, and stuff. Um, is there is there anyone you want to you know give a, a shout out to a, a tip of the cap at this time? Just to yeah, uh, I don't like. Do you know like uh, the, the friends who the friends I, who I keep in contact with the the guys um, there's guys all over the world now um, obviously and especially in this week uh, where you can't travel it kind of makes you just remember like the, the you know the people and how far they kind of did travel and stuff um, but yeah you've got you've got uh, as I say Texas Jason he, he's out there um, we've got uh, Mark who's in uh, Toronto um I'm trying to think who else uh, all around. Cami, I, I've not heard from Cami in years, but um, there was also J-Lo. Uh, J-Lo, I've not spoke to him for a good few years, but um, most of the guys I'm in contact with, um, Gus I saw last year, um, absolutely love the man. Uh, you know, uh, I... Try to think. I, all all good guys. Um, obviously, Amy still in contact with Amy. Um, and as I said, we, we mentioned about Ross Walker situation earlier. Um, wishing Ross all the best. Um, and I um, and uh, probably Rab and Neil, who are like two minutes away from my house, but I've probably not seen them in about six months either. Um, just family life does kind of take over. Yeah. Oh, brilliant, Hilsey. Thanks for all that, and um, we'll get no this out. We'll get this out hopefully in the next week. Uh, you might have started your teaching job by then, but I wish yeah, you all no. the best. Yeah. No, no. Thanks a lot. As, as I say, it's uh, it's been nice to kind of just uh, go through the years and and stuff. And uh, I and obviously a shout out to yourself for all of the continued hard work. I know like everything that you kind of do behind the scenes continually do behind the scenes and, and stuff and I know that you probably get a lot of people thanking you but um, I like it as I say even when I was around like a lot of the, the behind the scenes the driving of the minibuses and all that you would you know um, it's much appreciated so any, you know when you had asked me to kind of do this um, it was more you know, an honour to everything that you've kind of done for me as well. So, um, but no, um, it's much appreciated for all the, the work that you've done. Thank you very much, and uh, cheers for that. Uh, no problem. We'll grab a pint at some point in the near distant future. Mm-hmm.